This podcast is brought to you by All Things Film. <coughs> no, it, it really is. All Things Film, the web's premier collection of independent movie and TV related podcasts. For more, check out www.allthingsfilm.co.uk or search All Things Film on iTunes, Stitcher or TuneIn Radio. And now, on with the show. It's This Week in Sleaze with your host, the great lord Joshua Regal and Sleazy K. This podcast has been rated Category 3. No one under 18 may be permitted. Let's talk some fucking justice, Danny Lee style. And it's one of the fascinations of Danny Lee's cop movies, Category 3 rated or not, when he clearly muses on how justice is achieved, how information is squeezed out of suspects. And there's probably half a dozen movies or so where he or his OCTB gang, Organized Crime and Trial Bureau, they're pretty much torturing their victims in movies such as the Kirk Wong movie Organized Crime and Trial Bureau, The Untold Story, where these were Macau cops, but there was still torture there. And here, in his own director, The Twist, is that's the one where Simon Yam gets the hose. Danny Lee style. <laughs> Danny Lee justice oh, yeah. style. Uh, also, Simon Yam is another psycho and stalker in Crazy Love for You, where he may or may not get his dicky shot off. He totally does, by the way. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, so this is this week's uh, this is uh, this week's least for free. My name is Lizzie Kay, and with me is the great Lord Joshua Regal. And uh, how was the holidays and all of that? Because uh, it's a few days after the holidays as of this recording. Yeah, it went swell. You know, time with the fam. You know, time with uh, Cat Three Cinema. It's all good. Over here uh, we had some uh, Bork. Uh, <laughs> we we had some Fnork. Oh yeah. Uh, we opened some. We opened some Fnurg, oh. and uh, drank Julmust, uh, of course. <laughs> so it was a stereotypical uh, Swedish Christmas, obviously. That holiday traditional bork. And a Fnork and a Fnurg, <laughs> 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 which doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, it's uh, it's all the Muppets' fault. But hey, we we are, we're never we're not offended by that because uh, hey, that's funny. That sounds funny. Even if it's us, it's funny. Did the Muppets make it far? in Sweden? Like, the Muppet Show and stuff like that? Do you have that? I mean, I watched it as a kid, not extensively, I think. There was a few... I remember more the... um, some of the other Jim Henson stuff, I believe. I think that was on more, because they did a few puppet shows, right? Yeah. Um, Fraggle Rock? Fraggle Rock. It's definitely on, yeah. I seem to remember that one more, so that may mean that, that it was on more frequently, or that was the one I caught on TV. It's uh, It was never, I don't believe anyway, like this uh, controversy over here. <laughs> you know, what? what is there to be offended by? It's not like, in Sweden, we rape little children. Fork, fork. <laughs> you know, it was never like Jim Henson going off the rails. That uh, <laughs> just him. lost his mind. Just say the most offensive thing and just attribute it to Sweden, you know. And I just realized that is uh, awfully close to the Muppets because uh, did it wasn't one of the puppeteers of uh, accused of uh, pedophilia. One of the puppeteers of uh, Gonzo. Or who was the um, 
Holy mackerel, I have not heard this. Yeah, I, I heard it a few years ago. It was some accusations like Cosby style where they all came out of the woodwork. Uh, the, the guy puppeteers, whoever the kind of red puppet is, that talks like this. Man, I've not heard this. It's insane. It might be now a case that's done and dealt with. Maybe the guy is... Elmo? That was in Elmo, the, uh, the puppeteer of Elmo at one point. Uh, I, I'm sure they had multiple puppeteers of the, uh, but um, apparently he was accused of. Voice of Elmo only from Sesame Street after he was accused of having a sexual relationship with underage boy. Oh, fuck. Not too long ago. I think he's been the puppeteer for quite a while because th- these were like cases from quite a while ago. Yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. So I, I didn't mean to make fun of that at all. Just occurred to me. I think there was something going on with inappropriate, uh, inappropriate behavior with kids. You just ruined everyone's childhood. It's all right. Hey, it's official. So, uh, so there, there we are. But uh, hey, we're uh, at least uh, we're, we're back here to talk um, inappropriate and dirty movies, inappropriate police procedure, and inappropriate stalking behavior, and inappropriate uh, puppet building. Inappropriate <laughs> and Simon Yam. Inappropriate Simon Yam. You know, so Simon Yam going full Simon Yam. That's uh, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and uh, it's not half Simon Yam is not good enough. No, no. You gotta go full Simon Yam, and only one can do that, and that is Simon Yam. So we're gonna talk about his crazy love for Yvonne Jung's character in that movie, and uh, talk uh, inappropriate police procedure in the twist. Um, uh, so the twist first, crazy love for you afterwards, but first of all, some contact information. This is this weekend's least 33, the first one of 2015. At the Podcast on Fire Network, we are on podcastonfire.com. We have other shows on the network and bonus episodes you can also check out. Email us if you have any feedback, uh, if you want to bring us some clarity and uh, you know, precise facts about the uh, Sesame, Street, uh, Sesame Street case that we just talked about, then please do and enlighten us. Uh, uh, podcast on fire at googlemail.com or if you just want to send us some nice feedback and some questions or what have you, we, we, we would love to hear from you. Uh, we are on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF Network is our page that you can click and like and uh, support us that way. Follow the updates, uh, but also interact with us on there as well as on the Facebook group that you can reach via a link on that page or type in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar and tweet us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire or just follow our tweets. I write about category free movies, I write about Taiwanese movies and ninja movies, whether they are whether they are IFD or Filmark. You know, IFD, the camp where Godfrey Ho did belong for a while, Filmark, the camp where he never belonged and never made movies. Again, kids, hashtag not Godfrey Ho. Robo Vampire, not Godfrey Ho. Ninja Terminator, very much Godfrey Ho. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, there we are. And uh, hey, uh, you know, we're talking to a guy here who's made a YouTube documentary about IFD, for heaven's sake. So you just plug that for a little while if you still remember your documentary about uh, IFD. Yeah, I still do remember it. Weird Cinema. You can find it on uh, YouTube. One day I'm going to continue that series and make more little mini documentaries on weird, you know, segments of cinema and what have you. Right now, though, uh, I don't have a large enough break between now and uh, school again, so I won't be doing much on it. But hey, what's the plans? Well, what's like chapter two? Or like, uh, do you have an outline of uh, what you what you want to do for episode two? I already started work on. Uh, there's this movie called God Monster of Indian Flats that I've always been kind of infatuated with, and uh, you know, it's weird to go from a whole 
you know, basically genre of film to just covering one specific movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I found a few, you know, little areas where I could sit there and get some background information on the filmmakers and stuff. And it's an interesting story. It's this really, I guess, you know, it's a, it's a movie about a mutated sheep that uh, kills people. Awfully complex title for such a like horror horror type of um, uh, scenario. <laughs> it's it's yeah you'd think, but uh, and the filmmaker is like this guy who uh, was really big into sculpture and all kinds of like legit artistry and like he's an artist and has had exhibits around the world and blah blah blah. But uh, the movie is just uh, incomprehensible. You can't make out much from it as far as the plot goes and the finale is just bonkers insane so i'd really like to you know expose that film for like people to see and kind of you know for those who have seen it get some background information on it it'll be a smaller project it's not going to be like nearly 30 minutes like the other one it'll probably be like 20 if i'm lucky but still you know it'll be it'll be an interesting watch too i think Cool, very cool. I have heard of it. Looking forward to it. Uh, so my writing, so goodreviews.com, and my small video reviews, not as good as productions as Joshua's, but I'm at sleazykvideo.com. I don't aim high. I, I just cut together some of the video clips and do a small spoken uh, review uh, that is like a condensed version of my written review. And I'll, I'll keep it simple because I have no talent in that area. In, in that area, anyway, I have no vision about video editing, what have you. I just cut together some crap and post it uh which is kind of what i do with the podcast uh, uh, what? <laughs> i'm looking down at my at myself and like uh sheepishly like uh fucking like love me love me I'm i hate myself no ken cutting myself every episode like i must feel something <laughs> Jeez. uh anyway twitter.com forward slash so good reviews is my twitter account uh we are on itunes this week in sleaze uh, rate and subscribe and if you have the time please leave a written comment we would very much appreciate it and finally stream us on stitcher radio if you don't want to download podcasts to your device you can do that uh, on- online Check them out online. We also have the application for your iPhone, among other platforms. So once you're in Stitcher, type in this weekend's list to find us. And uh, also find the shelf, lifeclothing.com. Brian Kirby's T-shirt store. He has some, uh, some other gadgets there as well. Not gadgets, but uh, uh, belts and uh, like uh, skate decks and uh, stuff like that, posters. Uh, and that's the home of the Caucasians T-shirt, which is the parody of the Cleveland Indians logo that has been in the news during 2014. Buy some fucking t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I haven't bought mine yet, but uh, but eventually it will be out there because Brian is repressing that obviously since uh, now it's selling like uh, hotcakes there, then it's not going to uh, be rare anytime soon. Mm. Ah, pardon me. Uh, right, uh, you have a writing endeavor and a podcast endeavor, uh, so uh, why don't you enlighten viewers where that is and what that is, Joshua? You can find all my writing and everything at variedcelluloid.net. Haven't been uh, doing any kind of updates, just school has dominated my life, of course. I've mentioned it a million times. And then uh, the podcast that uh, I host is uh, trashytrio.lipson.com. Uh, you can find that. Uh, we just recently released our one-year anniversary show, which was really it was really late, but it, it got out there. And uh, we covered Chained Heat and Blind Beast. So two uh, very, very different films, a uh, lot of fun. Yeah, isn't that Chained Heat one of the more mainstream uh, women in prison movies, or it's just me? 
No, no, it definitely is. It de- I mean, it's super low budget and everything like that, but it's one of the most known women in prison films. And then Blind Beast is like this 1969 or so uh, art film. And, uh, yeah, art Japanese art film about uh, a sculptor who, like, kidnaps a woman and keeps her on a gigantic pair of breasts within his basement area. So. And this is obviously about the Holocaust, right? This is about the Holocaust. This is like, <laughs> obviously, I mean, do I have to spell it out for you? I mean, did you come to a conclusion what it is, what do you think it is, or did you just sneak it at the fact that this is pretentious Altaz bullshit that is fun? Or? No, no, actually, we come up with a few different, uh, you know, ways to view the film and everything. So it's it's not pretentious for the sake of being pretentious or anything like that. It's uh, very much an educated film and uh, open for interpretation. Right on. Looking forward to hearing that. I haven't had the time yet, but uh, once I get back to work, then I rotate podcasts a little bit more naturally um, because I have a a few weeks off now between Christmas and New Year. That's why. So um, insight into my exciting life. Uh, All right. We are taking a break and then we're heading into the twist from 1995. And we are going to discuss Danny Lee's police procedure if it's a good thing or not, what he's up to this time. It's not a phone book and a hammer this time around. They go full Danny Lee, if you will, in this movie. Oh, yeah. Balls deep. Balls deep, kind of, yeah. I don't know if the Category (laughs) 3 rating uh, warranted it, but um, but uh, it is a Category 3 movie, and it is uh, Danny Lee doing his his, uh, torturous thing, if you will, in the name of justice. So we'll talk talk about that after the break. Welcome back, and the first review of this Tidy Whitey Theatre, first one of 2015, is The Twist from 1995, and plot from the Love HK film review of the film. Hong Kong's official man who plays cops is back, only this time he directs too. Sporting a natty perm, he stars as the leader of the organized crime and trial bureau who's after an extremely crafty thief played with typical smarm by Simon Yan. Simon makes off with 170 million Hong Kong dollars in a well-planned heist, but then he goes crazy and decides to flaunt said fact to the cops. It seems that besides being a crafty thief, Simon is also an incredibly overconfident and annoying one as he spends a good 45 minutes taunting the police and basically basically saying, yeah, I did it. Try and catch me, you dirty coppers. <laughs> Along for the ride is his mole, the buxom Suki Kwan, who parades around in revealing low-cut outfits in an effort to distract the cops. When all seems lost, Danny orders that Simon be detained for questioning. They use their 48 hours to do everything possible to get a confession. How do they do it? Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, so um, not as much sex as you might think. It's not like that you raped a guy or anything, but uh, well, not not 
with something. They they rape him with <laughs> something. <laughs> no penis. No penis. We're, we're, we're going to spoil the crap out of this movie, I think, because uh, you, you need to kind of, for the sake of a serious discussion, too, talk of the elements that feature in the... Uh, in the interrogation later in the movie. But first of all, my brief opinion. After a dull first hour, the police brutality theme and exploitation aspects set in, and they are shot effectively, but there really lies a questionable message behind it all. So that's my short opinion. What did you think of Twist, in short? It has the best and worst qualities of the police procedural genre, and uh, like you said, uh, yeah, we're going to get into it, but yeah, I mean, you really start questioning, like, the ethics of the film, you know, and who you're really supposed to root for in the finale, you know? Because you got to remember, Danny Lee was really, a, uh, like, a pitch-perfect image of the cops for a while, like he did movies where they came off, you know, came off well, and I uh, believe he wanted to be a cop at one point, so he's always uh, favored that image. So it's not like this is him branching out to play a cop once and doing it full on you know this is um he's stepping it up in a weird weird way uh, so we'll, we'll get to that as you said but it's interesting on home video danny lee and his production company magnum realized that producing cop thrillers quickly and with a violent and exploitation type of touch was a good probably cheap idea at this time because you got a lot of dtv titles from magnum starring this team, you know, this core team of Danny Lee, you had uh, Parkman Wong, Fan Xu Wong, uh, but many of these titles, like Portrait of a Serial Rapist and stuff like that, many of them are lacking subtitles in English because uh, they weren't like from, uh, they they weren't like uh, in cinemas and therefore the requirement for DTV wasn't uh, subtitles. But uh, so they, they were producing, you know, more of this at this time, but this, the twist that is, it was an idea that was brought to the screen. It's a, it's a, it's an actual, actual movie shot on film or what have you. And you remember, Joshua, we talked about the untold story and things like that. That Danny Lee's brand of justice had been present in, in a movie like that. You know, he often had characters, not necessarily himself at all times. He had often had his characters employing harsh violence and torture in the name of truth and justice. Yes. The, the untold story is, uh, you know on those lines, you know, with, uh, you know, phone books against, against chests and then you, you smack a hammer against that. But it was, um, it seems like his idea of how to be a cop, you know, this is how you squeeze info out of suspects, which is not a rare idea in global cinema, obviously. No. So, but that, that, that's certainly been present. It's not like this was the first one, but in the twist... And maybe that's why it got a category three rating ultimately for this torture and violence rather than nudity, because there is none, as far as I remember, just uh, implied nudity. Uh, but Twist is stepping it up, and uh, that's uh, that's interesting. But the first talk of the first kind of hour, the first hour, mm. as a police procedural, because it opens with a robbery, and then the cops arrive, and they gotta find clues, and da 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 da. For a while, there's good amount of you know slick editing and mm. tension you know the procedural is sufficiently made but as i'll talk about a little bit uh, in in a little bit it just goes on past like uh, past you know it doesn't stay interesting uh, that's my short point yeah I, I, you have the really like the the opening with uh, simon yam and his crew robbing and they're all they all seem to be so 
on top of their game and everything's really interesting and they're you know the robbery itself is really cool you know then you go into the police procedural which is cool like you're saying for the first bit you know but eventually it just becomes this monotonous back and forth of okay you know there's like three different scenes or so where Danny Lee's like follow them for 24 hours you know keep them on 24-hour surveillance there's three different times because they keep going back and forth between them following Simon Yam and finding out some new bit of information then going back to Danny Lee reporting the information Danny Lee telling them to stay back on the case then going back and following uh, Simon Yam and them again you know it's just back and forth and, and, and so Simon can't really say that by himself because if you focus on Simon for a little bit he's that character, that overconfident, annoying thief, he, mm-hmm. he's having a bunch of fun uh, playing mm-hmm. this character who is just like, he knows that the cops are not on his trail at all. They don't know where the money is, and he's just having a whale of a time uh, on his yacht and in his sports cars. Uh, uh, so so he, he's having fun, but he can't carry all of that because it lasts for such a long time, right? I, f- I tend to find that there's so much plot in the film, you know? of just one thing leading to the the other, like, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens, that there's few moments that actually take the time to develop anyone other than maybe Simon Yam. Mm. Which is kind of a shame, but I'm not surprised that, because if you, I don't know if you've seen Kirk Wong's organized crime and trial bureau, where it was Danny Lee versus Anthony Wong in Girlfriend, Mm. Really good movie, really good as a character piece, really good as an action film, because Kirk Wong has that vision. Danny Lee, while a good director, here he's making sort of a lesser version of OCTB, and he's not responding as such with interest uh, as if you compare it to Kirk Wong's uh, uh, movie. And uh, had it been sh- a little bit shortened and tightened as opposed to the procedural, then it would have worked a lot better, but you would have had... Pretty, pretty short movie, and um, Hong Kong cinema probably had a sort of uh, pressure on on from uh, distributors and producers to make 90-minute movies, which this is. You know, you rarely saw 70-minute movies or 82, 85, you know. Yeah. Uh, so um, it, it does drag on for a little bit. Uh, there, there is some, initially, some fairly nice digs, uh, one dig, I should say, at men in power positions. Uh, because Suki Kwan's character manipulates herself into the company that they're um, the bank, uh, the bank that they're gonna rob by by like uh, flirting with the um, with the chief, with the boss, with the bank manager who is uh, who is this obese, weak-minded man who can be sexually manipulated in the most transparent, weak way there is. But <laughs> she she's not flirting with him in a sincere way at all. No. But but he's uh, I, I kind of like that little dig at men in power positions that as soon as there's a 0.001% hint at sexuality and, and skin, they go gaga. Of course. And obviously he, he not only hires her, but I think he promotes her in a very short uh, short time as well. So she can actually get into 
you know, certain conference rooms and spots, certain uh, clues that uh, Simon Yam's character needs to kind of perform the robbery and what have you. I, I'm, I'm not sure Danny Lee sat there and wrote for a good three months to come up with a social commentary concerning bank managers. But, but I think on its own, it's a, it's a little, uh, it's a neat little uh, dig, if you will. And, uh, I, I enjoy that. And of course, that like the second he gets busted or whatever, he's like, you can't tell my wife, please, she'll kill me. Exactly. He's probably one of those characters that spends his... Uh, off hours too in uh, these uh, hostesses clubs, you know, and um, and which is unfortunately kind of part of part of real culture, at, or at least was in the nineties as well. It's not, uh, it's it's way too common to just do business meetings that way, almost like you you take your clients out for prostitutes essentially. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's a little, little reality check there, if you if you will. Uh, Suki Kwan is not a nude performer uh, you know her career didn't start in category 3 movies and she appeared nude this is kind of her most uh, most daring role because uh, obviously she dresses sexually there's some scenes where where she's in a pool so you see see her nipples underneath the clothes and what have you Mm -hmm. Uh, very good actress um, uh, did a movie with Michael Wong that I really like called The Blood Rules which is uh, sort of an action thriller quite solid M- Michael sports a wonderful beard in that movie so he's obviously character acting in that movie Michael Wong <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's really good she's just a very very attractive woman and she did a very good movie with uh, with the same director and uh, it co-starred uh, Francis mm, called The Gambler's Story where they were really good together uh, and I, I enjoy her sort of daring role here and it's obviously exploitation in the latter parts of the movie but she's uh, she's sort of game she has a sex scene with Simon Yam and it features see if you can remember from the prior podcast this sex scene features what both you and I deemed a disgusting inclusion in sex do you remember what Charlie Show and that the woman didn't take me you know they, they used food Simon Yam and Suki Kwan used food as well <laughs> yeah 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 uh, except uh the grapes aren't as gross. But he picks them up almost like, you know, he grabs them and then he just, it's not like he sexually feeds them it's to the her. It's the same you know, type of deal as the banana. You know, it's like the crush it up in my hands and then drip it into your mouth kind of thing. I don't know, it's it's gross. I, I prefer grapes before uh, eggs, I, I should tell you. I'm not a big egg guy anyways. But it's not this scene that gets it. It's category three rating. It's, it's like primal and kind of ra- raunchy and what have you. They, they're they on the table. They're against uh, the window and the blinds or what have you. But looking at the movie, uh, because I didn't remember if it had nudity or not, to me it clearly must have been like the violent aspects of it. Yeah, definitely. Even questionable aspects of it that got it its category 3 rating because I don't think it's due to language either other than actor Eric K swearing in English all the time you got that motherfucker son of a bitch motherfucker like you you. yabba dabba doo (laughs) yabba dabba doo I'm back (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it has some comedy this movie too Um, some actually quite amusing comedy Um, uh, during the sex scenes they are Michael Chow and I think Eric Kay, uh, actor Michael Chow, they are watching on as the sex scene goes on. Mm. So there's a little perv comedy in here as well. And there's another thing, that part of the comedy, I wasn't sure if it was intentional. I, I didn't know what was going on. The sequence where Simon Yam and uh, his girl are on the boat, or whatever, they're on their yacht, and uh, we get, you know, the 
two of the cops following along and they're doing like stupid goofy cop stuff where they're basically in a dinghy trying to follow yeah yeah they're gonna pretend that they're fishermen but they didn't bring any fishing poles or anything so they're like improvise when they get out there though like you know simon yam's obviously watching them and whatnot but when uh when simon yam and his girl go below deck we get this like stinger of the music, like dun, 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 like as they're watching them. And then when they say that, though, one of the guys in the boat's like, "Oh, the main theme is on." It, did I, I was like, "Did they just break the fourth wall?" <laughs> I mean, I, what else could they mean by main theme song? Because it was the main theme song. Or to, to be, I didn't catch that. To be fair, the subtitles are pretty atrocious. Um, right. I, I'm, I'm thinking something. They're they're just trying to like pay attention, I suppose. But. That uh, there's something to look at now, but it's um, maybe. W- what a great piece of timing! I don't think Danny Lee is that clever, to be honest. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Meta, <laughs> like, meta. Magnum goes meta. <laughs> no, but uh, it's it's a great observation. But uh, yeah, uh, I don't think that. Do do, do you think uh, despite it all goes on, so Sammy and playing with them, you know, both uh, in the yacht, later in the exclusive club where they're bathing in their clothes and what have you. Do do you think? Through Simon Yam's, you know, clearly enjoyable act. Do, do you think it's carried at all, or do, do, did you think he was annoying as well for some reason? No, I thought he was interesting. He was one of the more interesting parts of the film. I think it just gets bogged down in this belief that uh, we have to show every, you know, small increment of the uh, the chase, you know, where it, it would would have served better rather than you know having to find out this and that and everything else to have some time with Danny Lee's character or someone else other than Simon Yam what ends up you get a really confused third act where we're we know more about Simon Yam than anybody you know me as a viewer surprisingly I, I end up getting more behind Simon Yam than I actually do these cops yeah, and that, that that's a good point to bring in here. We, we've hinted at it that the police procedure and the um, interrogation and the actual torture methods used in this one is elevated to a high degree. I mean, it's it it starts early with because they establish these this team as that's the most natural thing that you should do. You know, beating the suspects bloody and what have you. And even when Parkman Wong and his set. Uh, colleague go to the mainland they they talk to the mainland officers like well, what do you do over here we respect human rights and it's uh, you shouldn't beat up suspects well well shouldn't you i mean that's the only way you get information out of them right which is ironic because that leads to a scene where the mainland officers have caught the other parts of the team which is uh, actor tommy wong and xing Fuyon. And they've tortured and beaten the shit out of them. You know, they keep them in these uh, cages where they're probably on their knees and uh, and their heads are sticking out of the cages. And there's probably like sharp mm-hmm. bamboo or sharp wood, like uh, poking at their mm-hmm. throats and what have you. Think they look horrible, man. So they, I don't know if that's a fair critique or not. If uh, that's what goes on in the mainland, but you clearly got one set of cops in Hong Kong that do it harshly, and the mainlanders mainlanders do as well. So. I, I, I guess I should sort of try and state my opinion whether I think this is uh, good or not. I think it's in this movie, and um, it's a difficult thing. It's fiction, all right? And uh, in other movies, I, I don't really sit there and, like, react and go, ooh, 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 oh, my God, I don't feel comfortable with this. Because so, some things 
just doesn't make me uncomfortable. We talked on a podcast on fire once about the depiction of homosexuality in Pantyhose Hero. The way that was done, it, because it was so broad and kind of naive and ignorant, that made me uncomfortable because it's not to expose my life or anything, but it hits more closely uh, uh, to home than, than anything else. So, uh, But uh, like the beating of suspects and what have you, it's not like I sit there and cheer it on, but it, it never bothered me in other movies. And it's not like, or rather, yeah, yeah, it did bother me in other movies. But here it's a problem, I think, because the way... The level that they raise, they, they they raise the bar. It's almost like they are going at these suspects, Simon Yamasaki Kwan, like they are child rapists or child right. murderers. Uh, mm-hmm. But they are, they are robbers. And they never killed anybody. Even you know, in all of their robberies, they always made sure that the the only people who had like loaded weapons were Simon Yam, and you know he made sure that nobody was killed. You know. Exactly. I mean, they, 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 the money that they stole was great, but it's not. It's not like they have a conference early on where they try to work out a tack of mm-hmm. how to approach the interrogation, how to break them. No, they just fucking go at them. Uh, but there's also a point here in the movie, and uh, we'll get to kind of the specifics, but I don't want to forget about this. Danny Lee hasn't got his message clear in this movie because there are points where they seem to adhere to rules uh, where obviously they can't uh, wound them. They, they have these 48 hours to do all kinds of horrible shit to them but they can't wound them. They can't lay a hand on them. But they're also there's like hints scattered across the movie where it seems like he isn't supporting this this tactic but then is supporting this tactic as well. So there, there are like this back and forth but you would think that, okay, that might come from Danny Lee's character himself, where he stays on the outside. But no, he's an active participant. And that's why the message is sort of questionable and dubious and kind of just veers off in different directions. And and it just seems like Danny Lee got lost in making torture porn, you know, cop, cop style or what have you. It's still watching all of this that we'll talk about a little bit more specifically. It is like as exploitation on its own, quite effectively shot and memorable. But you can't deny dialogue you have with yourself that there is a dialogue going on here that I this is questionable. And you are rooting kind of for the suspects after having been through what they've been through, and they keep at it. Like, the final thing that they do to them is so fucking horrible. <laughs> and I've never seen Danny Lee do it. So I, I, I guess long short of it is that uh, effective to look at, but questionable that it was even done. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that's it. But uh, do, do you want to talk a little bit about how you perceive, like, you know, in general, if you watch movies where this tactic is used by beating up people and what have you, does it bother you elsewhere, or and did it bother you here for the first time, this genre-like inclusion? No, I mean, it normally doesn't bother you, because normally, you know, if a film incorporates that style of stuff, there's usually reason to it. I think of, like, Memories of Murder, uh, the South Korean, like, dark comedy and what have you and the way that film kind of did that with you know police officers kind of torturing to a certain degree their uh people the people they think that did this crime which was murder when you think about people killing people and everything like that you know it's easier to sit there and go okay well fuck them they deserve it but in this film you're basically you know it's like well don't don't you feel bad for those banks 
those, those the bankers and stuff like that, like that asshole we saw earlier. Don't you feel real bad for him? And it's like you really, you know, like Ugh, you know, I, I guess. I mean, I mean, stealing's wrong, but uh, by the time you get to, you know, okay, it's one thing slapping somebody up a little bit, but to the the degree that the film goes into, it's almost gleeful. Like uh, it's almost right. like I kept thinking of a movie that is consciously designed this way, where you are going to root for the robbers and uh, kind of hate the cops and it's not like it features a lot of interrogation but uh, Doberman I kept thinking of the French movie Doberman Mm -hmm. it's clearly one where it's all flipped Uh, but here it's not designed to be uh, flipped and Danny Lee kind of starting to criticize the profession that he's been honoring or anything it's just like this is what we do and by the way I just came up with the example of where Danny Lee's character seems to follow protocol like you read about they have them in a lineup, police lineup for identification. They can't identify him without the facial hair that and the glasses, uh, but, but mainly the facial hair that they had on in the chase. And then it is specifically says that because they bring it in, we have it, we can put them on them. No, we can't. That would be illegal. We can't manipulate the situation by dressing them up as they were by putting fake hair on them and all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's like, okay, that's that's fair enough, but then he does what he does, you know, the last 20, right. 30 minutes. Uh, so, so so, that's why I'm saying Dan Lee hasn't got his message straight at all, actually. Uh, yeah, the film just, you can tell that the film is, has no idea that it's creating this divide and then just expects the audience to, you know, I'll go along with this, you know, these people deserve this. And if, you know, you're supposed to feel that way about it, but in actuality, you know, unless you're just, I don't know, I say heartless or what have you, you most people, I think, that are going to watch it are going to go, wow, this is really, this, the punishment's really not matching the crime. And really, should they be punished right now? I mean, shouldn't they be, you know, shouldn't there be some other way to find the information out other than doing this? Before we kind of round this off as a pose, talking of the sort of specific grim details of the torture, is that I got to give props to a pretty well executed car chase uh, between Simon Yam and Eric Kay and Michael Chow. Obviously choreographed uh, because they can't be driving around in traffic like madmen, but there are some close shaves here, man. Like when cars, like missing cars by a millisecond, you know, cars going the other way. Really well executed uh, little car chase on on a budget because this is not a big, big budget movie or anything. And it's that, that's sort of part of the fun where Simon Yam is driving in his big old sports car or SUV or what have you and enjoying the chase. He even goes at one point like, wow, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Simon Yam's a very over the top. And he, he must have loved the costume design in this movie because since it seems like in every other, in every scene at one point, he wears a different, you know, brightly colored suit and what have you, red in one scene because I'm rich, I'm so rich. <laughs> I, I love I love it when he's uh, being interrogated and he goes, uh, he's like, in 20 hours, in about 20 hours from now, I'm going to be out of here and I'm going to be driving my Porsche. Vroom, vroom. <laughs> <laughs> He's not playing along everywhere. He's playing against. They're definitely like because he, he's on top of it. He knows they don't know where the money is and what have you. And they they clear they have no idea. They need no. information desperately from either him or his girlfriend. And and there's some nice low key humor after the car has been crashed. That is actually like Michael Chow's car. He's he, he keeps calling the car his wife. And and Danny Lee thought wife yeah my car. Oh. 
and Danny Lee reacts like, what a dumbass. That's a, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And he's right. Yeah, he is right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's low key too. It's not like, wow, wife. Right, yeah. Um, so, and Eric K has been, he is, Dam- damaged, he's wounded in the car chase and breaks his leg in his arm or what have you, the, uh, the American cop, uh, American Chinese cop that swears in English all the time. And uh, he's lying there in bed and like says to Michael Chow, you gotta beat the shit out of him, you know, Simon Yam. I will. And he says yes by punching Eric K instead. Like, no, beat him, not me. Because <laughs> he's obviously hurting all over and what have you. So there, there, there's some nice uh, tid, tidbits there of uh, humor. And there, there's going to be some foolishness mid-torture, actually, too, that makes Danny Lee's message all the more confusing as well. They, they inject some comedy um, because Eric Kay wants yes. to get in on the action and he's, you know, he's limping. On, he's obviously on uh, crutches. Uh, one, uh, his arm is broken and his leg is broken, presumably. So he, he arrives back in the station. And what does he say when he arrives back in the station to help out his fellow fellow colleagues? Yabba dabba doo, I'm back. <laughs> and I think it's entirely in English, at least yabba dabba doo. Yeah, yeah. I think, Jesus, it's a little Scooby Doo reference for you. There you go. Or no, not Scooby-Doo, forget Bloodstones. Where am I at? I'm sitting here. Oh. American entertainment, it fits the character, no, nonetheless, you know. No, God damn you, motherfucker, God I'm going to kill you. you um, right, so the, the sort of specifics of what happens during the last 20, 30 minutes. I mean, um, the floor is yours. What, you don't need to do it in, uh, in obviously, in order, and if you don't remember, and everything's fine. But what do they do in general to... Squeeze information out of Suki Kwan and Simon Yan without wounding and touching them. This had to be what, like a 30 minute, 40 minutes of the movie, or what? It, what At least from the hour mark onwards. Uh, so let's say 30 it's minutes. About 30 so. minutes. Jeez, you get uh, the girl gets stripped down to lingerie at one point, water thrown on her, and then the air conditioner turned up. That's that's okay. Simon, of course. Uh, the thing is, Simon Yam, before he walks in or whatever, his lawyer has him stripped down in the middle of the headquarters so that he can take pictures of his body. And by the way, the lawyer, I love the laziness of Hong Kong cinema, the lawyer is played by actor Melvin Wong, whose character is called Melvin Wong. That's <laughs> very true. So there you go, uh, Melvin Wong from Writing Wrongs, uh, among other things. This lawyer has photographs before going into interrogation, and you know they can't allow for him to you know, get hurt or anything like that. Otherwise, it'll show police brutality. It'll show that they're breaking the law, basically. And um, so Simon, he gets, first he gets shot with a a fire hose. They strap him to a chair and then just pelt him with this fire hose, which is pretty, it's bad enough. And and, and the stuntman and or Simon is is taking that uh, pretty intense, uh, water for real, you know. It looks like they brought in a fire hose and blasted the stuntman or Simon with that. Because you see a shot where he he's tied to the chair and the chair falls over due to the pressure of the water. So it's not this neatly faked scene or anything. So then it escalates a bit to that point where you're like, okay, well this is now na- na- you know you you lose the ability to really stay behind the cops because they. After he's been pelted with the fire hose, they lift him up, chain his hands up, and then they take a fire hose, a small hose, I should say, with a metal end on it that's very phallic, and uh, they shove it where the sun don't shine. 
right up his ass. And then they turn it on and start, you know, shooting water up his rectum, and we get uh, Simon Yam's stomach inflating yeah. with, with I wonder fluid. how they did that. It looked like, I mean, it's probably a nicely faked shot, but it's not like they cut to this obviously fake belly. Yeah, no, no, it's not a fake belly. I think it's just probably not even Simon Yam's belly. It's probably just somebody who can inflate their belly really well. You know, I've had friends who could, you know, really pull off the "Hey, I'm pregnant" look. You know, <laughs> so I think I think it's one of those type deals. Look good though. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it definitely did. But, but he's so defiant throughout all of this. He's not like, oh, don't do it to me anymore. Yeah. It, it, rather, if the subtitles, you know, go like, I love it. I mean, heat anyway. So give it to me. <laughs> I mean, heat anyway. Like so he doesn't fuck around. He won't break. You know, this is a guy who's tough to break when he's got that in him. Like, do it. I don't care. And it's crazy. This is the point where it's like you really start thinking because now these cops obviously don't care if they kill the guy. No, they're gone off the rails by this point. Like they're just they, they, that's what I meant by gleeful. They just want they, like this. They're risking at this point internal injury, and you know you don't have to be a nurse to realize this. But you are, so you realize that. Right. So, like, <laughs> you know, good lord, they're pumping this guy's intestines full of uh, fluid. That's how bad this is. Jesus. They, they, they did some similar stuff in Untold Story, and I always thought that because it was Macau cops that they could get away with it. They inject. Anthony Wong with uh, literally with water into its like your neck and back and uh, it creates these horrible like uh, boil and no, not boils but like these horrible like watery type of water things blisters, on his back. Yeah. yeah, water blisters. Yeah, but uh, I always thought that like, hey, we can go for it because these were Macau cops anyway. Ha ha ha. But nope. Right. Here are Hong Kong cops doing sort of worse. Worse. Yeah, I would say worse. Oh, oh, by the way, p- p- pardon me. The, w- a wonderful piece of comedy happens here because Eric Kay wants in on the action and wants to hold. He get. I don't think he wants to hold the hose, but they, he sort of gets handed the hose. And th- this guy has a broken leg and a broken arm and he can't stand up. So he, and the hose is obviously that water pressure means you got to hold that tightly. And he falls over and the hose gets all like scrambled. And they, uh, it looks awfully real, like they brought in a real water hose and... Uh, it could hurt someone, like because it just keeps flapping about the place. It could hit someone in the head, and I. That, it's wonderful, but it shows that the Hong Kong police are foolish. They are not on top of their game. They they're just jumping from scenario to scenario, not thinking at all. So again, Danny Lee's message of, "This is how you do to get justice done." <laughs> but then he portrays them as foolish. So I don't. I'm not sure what he's trying to do here. Who is trying to side with? Once again, it's always just Danny Lee. He's the only one that knows what's what's up. The only one with any intelligence. But he's not active as such until you know the whole um, electricity torture. Then he's active. Yeah, and that's pretty much the next one where well, the the electrical torture where they sit there and they take uh, battery cables and stick it to uh, Simon Yams. I guess you'd say penis, but really, I guess it's his underwear. Yeah. And and he's the one like doing that uh, too. So at that point as well, you know that Danny Lee is not on top of his message at all when he is the one that's in charge of this. It would have been another thing, although a very transparent thing, if he came in, seeing this, like, oh my god, what are you doing? This is illegal, <sighs> you know, and really hammering home the actual message that I'm a good cop. Nope, he's the one that's uh, saying yes to all of this, you know. And guiding it in many scenes. 
We also get Simon EM peeing on people too in the midst of all this. <laughs> yeah, it's like that they don't have control of him at all. They like they're so they allow him to sort of fight back, which he should because this is un, unwarranted. You know, yeah. it's, it's stripped down and he pees all over them instead. <laughs> so um, the, that leads into the dental torture, of course. That's the worst to me. Yeah, this is this is where to, this is where at this point, you know, beforehand I was like, okay, this is excessive, but uh, it's not as bad as stuff I've seen before, you know. But when they pull out the dental drill. I'm like, I was thinking, I was like, okay, they're not really going to start drilling on this guy's teeth, you know? Because he could, you know, when they took those photographs, if if he smiled, then they, they're they going to have evidence. That's why they're off the rails at this point. They're, they're no, there's no rationality present anymore. Right, and they just go at it, man. They start drilling into his teeth, and then finally Simon Yan breaks free and then, like, starts slamming his head against the wall, which you would think might deter them some okay well now he's got a bruise and a gash on his forehead yeah, so, so stop this now yeah nope. you would think but instead it's just I guess I don't know if it makes him worse or what because they instead start focusing on the girlfriend at that point yeah uh, uh, even after he, he smashes his head against the wall I think they just lose it even more starts beating the crap out of Simon Yap despite because now he's injured anyway Let, let's just do what we wanted to do throughout the whole movie anyway <laughs> Uh, so that, that, that's the worst they do to Simon Yaman, but they save the best for last, so to say. And it takes place against Suki Kwan. And he, I love that Michael Chow's character, apparently what he, uh, they mentioned that he had nurses training uh, because he comes up with the idea uh, that he whispers to Danny Lee, like, wow, really, that low? So what do they do to Suki Kwan, which ultimately, again, we said we're, we're spoiling this movie, ultimately it leads to a confession, this final piece of uh, torture just as the sort of clock runs out on the um, time period of uh, that they can hold these two. So what do they do, Joshua? Before talking about that, I would like to mention that Sugi Kwan, whenever uh, another bit of torturing there is going on, she uh, bites one of the female officer's boobs. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I forget what she says. She's like, ow, my tit, or something like that. <laughs> it's just a good subtitle. I forget they're, they're just kind of looking for a reaction out of her at that point. It's just sort of a, just woman to woman. Oh, oh now I'm, i got to wrote down here to save my tits. Yes. <laughs> what the subtitle says. So she, 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 she has fight in her as well. You know? Right. Yeah. But, okay. So the finale, uh, they take a condom and fill it with ice cubes kind of, and, or maybe one large ice cube and, uh, proceed to basically molest the girl with it. They stick it inside of her vagina and hold it there. The women do it. The women do it, but and the guys are sitting on the other side of the glass, which doesn't make which doesn't make it okay. But you know, at least at least they let the woman do this. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're still watching, you know. So they're doing this, and like uh, Simon and uh, Danny Lee is, you know, counting down the time. Apparently, they have a, a certain amount of time that it'll be safe. Yes. Again, here comes your nurse's training. Uh, here's where your nurse's training get, uh, comes in handy. Michael Chow claims that you can't do it for more than two minutes. After that, there will be wounds. You'd think, like, <laughs> fucking shoving that into her would make make for wounds pretty damn quickly. Not like a two-minute limit for these kind of things, right? Uh, you would think, yeah. Uh... Do, they teach, do, do they teach you these things, Joshua? They, they haven't talked about vagina torture yet. But, uh, you know, next semester, I'm hoping, yeah. 
<laughs> you're over-prepared, like you read about now. Like, I got a movie. <laughs> I'm a, like, in class, I'm going to ask. Okay, so how long could I say take a ice cube dildo and shove it in a girl's vagina? How long would it take before wounds appear? Crickets. <laughs> Crickets that get sent home. Let's see the dean. Oh, God. Yeah, that, 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 that's the word to use for it. They molest her, and she breaks. And they're all happy because she broke, and now Yay. we solve the case. Like, oh, right. great. Police officers. We Woo. did well. That's wonderful. Well, as exploitation types of sequences, they're pretty, they're effectively shot. But that, that, that's where it ends. That's why I can watch it and not, like, turn it off or anything. But within this, it, it just is all over the place with its message. And it sort of, it pretty much fails at communicating anything. It's, uh, if, if, if he ultimately believes that harsh torture is, uh, like this, is to, uh, be employed against suspects, then I fairly don't agree with that. You know, I suppose uh, there's a certain amount of rough treatment that I, I'm not saying is warranted in in the police in the police profession, but I'm sure a certain amount of tough, rough, physical or even mental treatment is common. This is not common, and this shouldn't be common at all. No, what's present no. here? The teeth, man. You know, come on. And why they have a drill at all? Uh, seemingly a dental drill. It's not like they go to like the janitor's closet and they get get me like the big drill that he has. Okay. Go around the corner to Ace Hardware, and uh, I'm gonna need a dental drill and uh, a power supply to make it work. But but is that the case for you? Like watching these as sequences as as shot and technically made? I mean, are they watchable in that regard? Like an effective? I think it's a stylish film in many ways. You know, I mean, certain sequences it's just plain Jane, but like uh, a lot of it's uh, very stylishly shot and uh, it's well made to a degree. I mean, the plot is very direct. Uh, it's an easy watch, but uh, you know ethically confusing and uh, gets bogged down in its own uh, procedural mentality. That's very fair. That's a good note to go to go out on. Uh, so as for availability, we watched the City Connection DVD, which is a cropped full-screen presentation, and it seems to have gone out of print. It's a, it's a local Hong Kong DVD. Uh, so look for used copies of that or the letterboxed, subtitled Star Laserdisc, uh, if you can find it. So uh, I, I would love to own a, a letterboxed version of it. Um, and uh, DVD doesn't look very, very good, to be honest. I think yeah, it's on par quality-wise with uh, the Laserdisc. Uh, if you can't find any of these, well, worst comes to worst, you know, um, uh, torrents uh, if you're interested in the film. But uh, that's what we had to watch here for the show. Uh, I don't think the option of uh, actual optional subtitles will be like it's it's uh, like ace up its sleeve this DVD because no. they, I think the star laser disc will have they often did good quality laser discs anyway so the subtitles will be clear and uh, clear and all of that so um, so uh, I, I would love to have that if I can find uh, okay let's take a break and let's talk some more uh, not some more but let's talk Simon Yam going full Simon Yam in <laughs> crazy love for you you know he as I said in the show opening he's a nutter He's a psycho and he's a stalker in crazy love for you. <laughs> you know, it's the, the trifecta, <laughs> like the three things that you kind of, um, if you're Simon Yam, you can be in movies. You can embody that quite effectively. And boy, does he have So, and he gets his dick shot off as well. Spoilers. <laughs>
I don't care. I mean, I, I gotta mention. I mean, we gotta mention that it's one of the best subtitles, one of my favorite subtitles ever. So we'll uh, we'll save the full uh, the full extent of that and uh, talk of it talk of it after the break. So yes. Welcome back in the second review of this episode is Crazy Love For You from 1993. And I was going to mention this at the end of the review. I'm going to mention it now instead. It's known under a few different titles. The on-screen title is Crazy Love For You, but it's also known as Can't Stop My Crazy Love For You and Don't Stop My Crazy Love For You. It's like on DVD covers and possibly the poster had a different title as well. These things happen in Hong Kong, but the on-screen title is Crazy Love For You. That title sounds like... No matter, all th- all titles sound like some kind of uh, romantic comedy. Can't stop my wacky love for you. Even. <laughs> uh, plot for my review of the film with, with close-up images reminiscent of the silence of the lambs during the opening credits. The reveal is that Simon Yam is the one... Uh, well, it's it's her and him separately, but he is also one putting on makeup and a wig. So, But not saying, you know, want to fuck me? I'd fuck me. <laughs> He's not doing the whole goodbye horse. Goodbye horse. Which would have been amazing, like, and not surprising at all if Hong Kong cinema ripped it off beat by beat. But nope. It's it's clearly I think the inspiration is clearly Silence of the Lambs, but uh, but uh, he's he's putting on a wig, a wig. So on this category free ride we go. It's off to an assuring start. Simon Yan plays Fred, who works at a security company installing alarm systems uh, at the day and at night. He's a psychotic stalker. And his eyes have fallen on popular reporter Kitty, played by Yvonne Jung from A Chinese Torture Chamber story. She's the lead in that movie. So that's uh, that's that. So that sets off. That sets the plot in motion, the stalker plot, if you will. Uh, so let me hear your short opinion first of all, and I'll do mine afterwards. Very bizarre, very fun, uh, very dangerous stalker thriller. And uh, with some very enjoyable performances along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I agree. It's a basic stalker thriller. Thriller. It's about idol adoration, inappropriate fantasy, but it isn't really commenting on it uh, or delivering a lot of characters, but rather a character to the characters. But it delivers a chilling exploitation type of time that, despite its over-the-top male lead performance, Simon Yam, it pretty much thoroughly works because of its chilling nature and its over-the-top nature as well. It opens uh, ironically. Uh, she is doing a report on idol adoration that it's uh, normally a face. Uh-uh. No, it's not. <laughs> it's uh, certainly not a face in Simon Yam, uh, not until he gets her, you know, uh, romantically gets her, because as with all stalkers, and obviously this is something very scary and real too, they they want, um, they, they want uh, a domestic life. They want the perfect marriage relationship to happen, but they're obviously not able to be uh, Casanovas about it because they're psychos, and mm. they're going to show that transparency 
pretty quickly once they get confronted with their idol, if you will. It happens, it happens unfortunately in real life, and uh, uh, and Simon Yam is never subtle about, you know, obviously meeting her. So, certainly not when he's uh, uh, by himself, you know, talk, talking to him, <laughs> talking to himself and to his uh, puppet that he's built. <laughs> He has a life-sized puppet as company that is both at times her, but at times it's also him. Yeah, that was a <laughs> surprise. <laughs> I did not expect that. And I love that he's talking to her like a honey. Hello. Oh man, it gets like it's a daring performance because there's a you know you you wouldn't like it's not. At no point does he look good. Like, you know, I mean, he's like basically baby talking with this uh, mannequin sitting in his, like, I just think of him spooning with this mannequin in his bed. <laughs> and that's my image of him. You in this can't movie. laugh with this movie despite it being chilling. That, that, that's the kind of magic of why it works. Mm-hmm. It's so bizarre and so funny, but it's also pretty damn scary. And when you say mannequin, you're very fair, by the way, because it's not one of these sophisticated laws and the real girl dolls. <laughs> no. That's also available in real life. It's, you're, you're spot on. I didn't have the word for it when I made my notes. It's a mannequin. That he puts a wig on and some clothes on. and The same red jacket that she wears when she's on the air and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's chilling in itself because it's a mannequin without any expression. Obviously, he'd ne- he's not even, like, made her up or anything. Certainly not for the, put a photograph over the, like, lifeless face. So, so it's, 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 it's funny to see him prance around and kind of interact with it. But it's pretty chilling seeing this, like, dead that that something that isn't even looking lifelike at all, you know. But he's but he sees it as lifelike. Never to the point of talking to it and then cut to some sort of fantasy where it talks back. Thank God. It would be kind of fun to see though, but uh, it's chilling to keep it reeled in that way. And uh, you know, if you 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 know he's a psycho and he's obviously just keeps building a building upon that. He even says at one point he, he lives next door to her essentially or like uh, across the road from her so he can uh, spy uh, spy and uh, using his like cameras and uh, telescopes. So at one point he says, "One day I will set a camera in your bathroom. One day." Bathing room. <laughs> bathing, bathing room. The subtitles. <laughs> So it, there's no doubt that this is 100% psycho, over-the-top performance, and that's a dangerous thing to let loose if you put it in the hands of the wrong actor. Simon manages to make this character, I'm not going to say relatable, but like uh, you, you, you feel bad for him for at least, like I'm going to say, like the first hour of the movie. Really? I felt that way. Why? Like, I feel like he. I'm not really, questioning you. This, this is sort of news to me. I never saw that in the movie. So. I I really feel like he did love. He he has love for this woman. I, I feel like I mean it's completely psychotic, but you know I, I believe that he brings the um, humanity out in it to a certain degree. I mean he's over the top and everything like that. But like the sequence where like he breaks into her apartment and you know fights back all of his urges to rape her or do whatever you know he, he, even he's talking amongst himself and everything about yeah, like yeah one of those like the, the, the different forces within like we shouldn't do this right you know th- this you know this has to be special blah 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 and it's like it's a sad look inside of his mind you know it, it's dark and uh i don't know i, I feel 
I felt bad for the character up until the point where it becomes violence becomes kind of like prevalent, you know, because for the first hour, the only violence he's really committing is against people who offended her, which was like a bunch of young punks who, you know, go in an alley and are peeing all over each other. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> like, like men do, apparently. Okay. Like the I don't know about these things. I never go out. <laughs> a lot of great subtitles in this, but like yeah. the subtitle from that is pissing exclamation point. I love it too. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> this is what apparently this is what people do. It's like a commercial, like like pissing. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> commercial for something. I don't know for pissing. Yeah, yeah, you know. Or like Toilets. a to- or like a toilet company. <laughs> a toilet commercial. Yeah, you can piss from across the room. What? Yeah, so I don't know. when you have to be the spokesperson. But pissing, I love it too. <laughs> I did it in a movie once. I looked at, looked at I, people that pissed in movies. I peed all over some cops in yeah. the other movie. But you know, you're, you're very right. Simon Yam brings this game energy, and I fucking love him. He's one of my favorite actors. He's a terrific dramatic actor. He's a terrific psychotic. You know, he can perform psychotic in a really pronounced, like, over-the-top way. Fucking Dr. Lamb is howling at the moon almost, literally at one point, when he's uh, cutting up the corpses. And you just buy that game energy that is equal parts, like, funny, blackly humorous, and equally parts scary. And he showcase that as soon as the category of reboom took off that was something that they tapped into that in him like you read about billy tang did and certainly this one-time director that is called hon Wai dot one movie people which surprises me because it's a damn fine movie actually very stylish very stylish uh, well shot uh, you know and like a true hong kong cinema superstar he felt at this point, certainly in the 80s as well, when he worked himself up to acclaim, there was nothing he did had, like, reservations against. You know, he, except if Hong Kong cinema had pronounced hardcore porn and snuff markets, that that would probably be his limit, you know. It's Simon's cutoff point. Everything else is, you know, okay, whatever, let's do it. And he often did it very well. I can only think of one performance out of so many where I thought he was tired. And it was in the recent Iceman movie with Donnie Yen, which was a crap movie, and he looked tired. Like he, At one point, he's going to chew out some uh, uh, police officer. He, he plays a corrupt police officer. And when he goes loud and what have you, it's, it's like him being left to his own devices and not knowing what to do at all. So it's like, uh, bad. Was that good? Now cut the print moving on. I think a lot of his recent stuff, and, and not putting down because I, I, I like the transition that he's made as an older actor but uh, a lot of the films require him to basically just be that uh veteran you know like it seems like he's constantly playing uh the guy who's been there done that and uh, always giving advice and blah 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 or being the captain at a police department or something like that you know he's older now he's a damn good looking i think he's in his 60s by now or almost at, uh in his 60s mm-hmm. so he's a damn fine looking uh, man still a stylish looking man but yeah obviously now there it, there's a call for different roles you know uh but, but not like elder, like uncle of the family, the frail uncle of the family. No, Not, no. not for another 20, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He'll still be the best of that bunch, too. Uh, so you, you mentioned the scene uh, with the pissing pissing fellas. It's actually uh, a couple of fellas that has harassed uh, Kitty on the street while her, she's doing her, 
you know, street level uh, kind of uh, reports and asking you for what they think of abortion and what have you. And you, you got these like assholes uh, uh, trying to be in the shot and like saying, oh, she's probably prostitutes. A prostitute and Samyam has appeared on the scene he wants to give Kitty flowers and when he sees this he can't take it obviously that's offensive to his girl so he he beats them up uh, using a baseball bat in a pretty violent scene that is capped with him talking to the baseball bat <laughs> he's essentially saying honey I taught him a lesson <laughs> classic yam <laughs> and, you, and you still remain in the fucking movie you know you, yeah. you're not taken out of it by these weirdly oddly humorous moments you know what I mean uh, or it it's manages to stay within it, and that's the director's to the director's credit. Obviously, Simon Yam is is there. You know, he brings that game energy, which means he wants to be there. Uh, so, uh, but I love also that he can't when he meets her. Like accidentally, he's invited to the gun club. Let's talk about her boyfriend in a second, too. By the way, yeah, yeah I'll talk about her boyfriend too. <laughs> we haven't even said who he is yet, but hey, we can keep the review. You know, you let the cat out of the bag you know, once it's a suitable Joshua who. Who is Yvonne Young's boyfriend in the movie? Okay, you want me to tell you right now? <laughs> ah, just work it in, actually. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, It's totally Michael Wong, by the way. <laughs> oh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and here it is. Here's Simon at a table with uh, Kitty and Michael. And uh, for some reason, he's not looking at Michael Wong. You know, that's where the movie lost all plausibility for me. Like, I want to be with him now. <laughs> exactly. This Michael Wong. He could fly you in a helicopter. Like, fuck Kitty. Let's go for Charlie. It's called Charlie in the movie, not Michael. Yeah, Charlie. Unfortunately, Michael dubbed the Wong in this case. Uh, he, he looks handsome, though. Oh, yeah, he looks great. You know, they don't even go for a close-up during the uh, initial, like, entry at the gun club or what have you. So I was like, is, is that Michael? Is it? And then, yeah, sure enough, it was, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's so devilishly handsome that he doesn't even need a close-up. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you, you remember old Hong Kong movies and certainly some new at this time always had these, uh, they walked into a close-up and then their uh, on-screen credit appeared next to them. I <laughs> 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 uh, Seventh Curse is one, I remember. This one certainly doesn't do that, so uh, you're, you're very right. Like He pops immediately. I mean, uh, and uh, I'm, I, might, I might be like playful and so, so, sort of sarcastic and ironic. I'm not. He's very, very handsome in the movie. He's, yes. uh, he's, a, support, <laughs> he's a supporting actor in the movie, so it's not in it uh, throughout the movie. So, uh, but, but yeah, the point also is that Simon Young's character can't at daytime when he's out and about and in pro mode or friend mode, if you will. And a pro me, I mean a professional. Uh, he, when he sees her, he can't hide his uh, creep, creepy factor because he holds her hand a little bit too long and then starts asking her out and leaning into leaning into her on the table like you and I should, dear, you and I should dine. So it's not like he's this move cycle that loses it only when he's within his own four walls, you know what I mean? Uh, he's uh, completely transparent to the point where you would think like in during their second meeting when she wants him to install the security system that she would sort of see through it right away. Up, oh, that's him. That's totally him. Because I think he's called her at one point using the uh, Mr. Puppet voice or Mr. Puppet character. He, he disguises his voice over the phone and says like, hi, it's Mr. Puppet. And the first time like he calls, he's like, He's saying some pretty awful stuff. I forget what it was, but I just remember Kitty, like, her whole thing is just like, you know, 
oh, you know, hi, oh, I'm sorry you misunderstood. You know, this is, uh, you know, I have a, a relationship and I'm very happy. Thank you. And like he's he's sitting there like, fuck you. I'm your number one fan, <laughs> Mr. Puppet. Ah. <laughs> Yeah, he would have so much trouble keeping it in, you know what I mean, reeling it in. Mm-hmm. It's that uh, that disturbed. I think this woman is disturbed too. She she owns not only one but four Garfield dolls, and they're all in her bedroom. There's four of them in one scene where she has begun and calls me to puppet. At that point, you can see four of them in her bedroom. <laughs> like, and one of them's gigantic. Oh my god, it's her bed, fella, for heaven's sake. Yeah, she's almost life size. Well, no, it's bigger than a real cat, so I guess it's yeah. uh. It's like almost human size, this fucker. Yeah. Jeez. And uh, you, you wonder, I mean, we, we brought this up like off air, like what is it with Garfield appearing in so many Hong Kong movies? And no one really had any answer other than that probably due to popularity and uh, the toys were, you know, rampant. Maybe the comic strip and the cartoon was popular. But um, you also come to the conclusion that even the big pro- productions, you know, like take a production like, like Love and Delivery, the Stephen Chow film, where he appears as this masked uh, kind of Kung Fu Avenger with a Garfield mask over his head. Uh, even th- those productions probably, they uh, didn't ask for permission from the Jim Davis company, Paul Sink. And it, it's strange to me that it could appear so frequently and no one reacted, especially towards blockbusters, you know what I mean, for, for, the, for this crap, so to say. Um, it's so under the radar of the mainstream, if you will. But uh, uh, it's it's fascinating how how rampant the Garfield uh, mania, if you will, <laughs> was in Hong Kong cinema in movies. Right, like I find it bizarre because, like, you know, over here, I mean, yeah, Garfield was relatively popular. I watched it as a kid, but like, I, you know, I, I love the comic strip. Still, I'm a huge fan of the comic strip. Yeah, I haven't really read the comic strip i just watched the cartoon because it used to come on nickelodeon like the early mornings and stuff like that but like i don't remember it being that popular i always remember like garfield kind of being like a second tier you know character or what have you nothing like that uh you didn't see i'd never knew anybody that had a garfield doll or anything like that or had merchandise from garfield garfield phone garfield phone had i known you know i definitely would have had one Although my family wouldn't have really appreciated it, I'm sure. But still. we judge you. You have a you have a cat as a phone. It's like it's just like being a Nazi, essentially. <laughs> I didn't have a phone, so it would have had to replace the only phone. You know what I'm saying? It would oh, have been gotcha. In the gotcha. living room, <laughs> the whole family would have had to been using the Garfield phone. So it, things could have got weird. But uh, yeah, I mean, Paul Sink is still. Um, it, they are indeed called that. At least they were at one point. That is still ongoing. So it's not like these uh, unauthorized appearances uh, killed off, uh, killed off the brand and the comic strip, if you will. But it's uh, it's, it's kind of fascinating that it appears so much here. Four in one scene. They set decorated to the point where it's almost a secondary character. Like put one there, there, there. Four of them. Maybe there's some under the bed too, but we didn't see them. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, 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 um, the co- cartoon show was pretty good because it's uh, quite close to the essence of uh, the comic strip, and I love uh, the, the Lorenzo music uh, uh, voice for Garfield, mm-hmm. which uh, which is exactly, and, and that and that is a known fact that the, the Ghostbusters and Garfield universe has merged because Lorenzo music did the voice of Peter Venkman in the Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters, I think. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, there you go. W- wonderful voice. I lo- like the cartoon a lot. But um, so there you go. Garfield is uh, is here, and uh, and uh, <laughs> maybe in the in the movie, the character uh, got like free Garfields. Uh, the station got a lot of free Garfields. So it's like, do you want one? I want four. And I want a lot. And I want, I want a big one too. I want to fuck that. <laughs> oh my god! What? <laughs> At the gun club, they do have a Marlboro cigarettes like uh, umbrella that they sit underneath it. So you never know. Maybe we. Uh, maybe they're getting some kickbacks, man, from Garfield too. You never know. Yeah. And uh, when uh, th- those brands, I think, were uh, you, you, you often saw like those brands in the end credits too, like uh, clock brands or cigarette brands. So, so sometimes they went out to score actual sponsor deals, if you will. Because there's no reason to have so many Marlboro like uh, um, uh, little brawlers uh, at the gun club. So um, it's interesting to bring it uh, bring it back to reality a little bit. After Sami Yam has been in her apartment and uh, she uh, she knows of this that there's been a break in. Um, she's uh, Michael Wong comes there and he says like Should, shouldn't we call the police? No, they they will it will get out and people will think that I've been raped. And that kind of depressed me. I think that's way too close to, not way too close, but I think it's so close to reality that a woman in her position, uh, like irrational voices, not knowing the facts, would be so loud that her career could essentially derail by making a thing like that public that the police were at her house to to investigate something. Right. And we, we, which is pretty goddamn sad. I mean... Um, it's not like she is like this career woman as like this uh, a filthy career woman. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's she's genuinely concerned that uh, that this will just hurt everything. And then they go to who's who whose place of business in order to get this uh, new high tech surveillance equipment. Well, obviously Simon Yams, uh, you, you, you know, he's an expert in installing like these uh, security systems, and obviously live live next to her, and uh, he will have access to the code that uh, for for the security system. So it's it's uh, I, I didn't treat that as a coincidence. The site is one of those like, oh no, no. I mean, he's he's working that job, you know. He's not a mailman or anything. He's he knows his stuff, you know, and. Um, and and has some wonderful exchanges with his colleague way before the gun club, club sequence. His colleague <laughs> is drinking drinking these nutritional teas and what have you just to be more potent in the bed, if you will, to help his dick, essentially. And their banter back and forth, uh, not that Simon Yan's character is engaged as such, but his colleague essentially says, like, what was the subtitle? Be serious. How, how, how can you get a computer inside a dick? Not a camera, but a computer inside a dick. Can you do that? And will that make it better? <laughs> Just like, be like, serious. Like, come be on, serious. come on, be serious. Don't joke be around. S- Don't fuck around. <laughs> Let's, this is a serious thing. Let's not joke about this, right? I mean, how do you get one in there? It's uh, it's like, uh, okay, you know, that was banter. Okay, let's move on. Because <laughs> that character never really comes back as such and uh, continues. It's like, hey, I've got a computer inside my penis now. <laughs> I had the operation. Jeez, could you imagine? A 1993 computer inside that penis, yeah. Oh my god. Uh, certainly not small. Here's where you put the floppy disk. Um. <laughs> uh, right, so what is it? Well, Simon Yam is a kind of stalker that, you know, looks classy and 
you know, you wouldn't think when you watch him at his place of work as this guy carrying dark secrets. But there are these obvious stalkers, needy stalkers in the movie. There's one pervy, slightly obese, glass-eyed, noisy man that's waiting outside the station with flowers and wants to give them to a kitty. And obviously it sounds like... <laughs> and he wants his, the autograph uh, of hers on his chest. But that's as far as he wants to go. That's like... Uh, that was orgasmic for him and he can move on with his life, you know. And uh, that's... Uh, that's uh, not what Simon Yam does. Uh, um, what is it? Well, he, we talked about the puppet at one point. Uh, <laughs> the best image of the puppet other than him uh, uh, spooning with it is when Simon Yam has switched roles. <laughs> yeah, that caught me off guard, man. Want to talk about that, what he does one morning? I just, you know, throughout the whole movie, you have like the... the quote-unquote puppet within, uh, dressed in red and whatnot, uh, which is very similar to her uniform on TV. And then uh, at one point, Simon comes out in a full wig and uh, bathrobe, and uh, he has his clothes, the blue suit and whatnot, on the puppet at this point. <laughs> and they have a little, you know, morning little, <laughs> little breakfast together. Yeah, a little, dom- little domestic-like. Um, oh, yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, it's kind of sweet and creepy. He, he, he sits in the lap. He the sits in the too. lap, and then like he's like he's operating the puppet's arm and stuff like that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't itch me. You're no, naughty. You're so don't itch me, honey. Oh my god. <laughs> Which is just like, it's only Simon Yamond I fucking said that, and obviously part of the crew, and like, yeah, let, let's just watch this happen, you know, and there was probably no reservation at all, like, this is in the script, what do you want me to do, Mr. Director? Listen, listen, this, totally. Just, you know, you know, you and the puppet, you know, you'll go to town. <laughs> you're naughty, like, honey. <laughs> you're in a relationship with this puppet, you know, what do, what do people do in relationships? But he's wonderfully funny, and then later on, it's kind of creepy how he he goes for a range of emotions, like when he's jealous of the relationship that she has with Michael Wong. You know, he starts like shouting at the puppets and yelling at it and beating it, like "I hate you, bitch! I hate you!" Cut to him sitting in the puppet's lap again and like saying, "I'm yeah. so sorry. I'm useless." <laughs> And, and it's a real kind of thing that, that yeah. these roller coaster of emotions of uh, someone with mental problems. I, which again, it's just wonderful to see Simon just go for it as well. For this one, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, actually, you know what happens in the party, for instance. But the party scene is kind of is very unsettling. We can say this much: that Simon Yam, it's a costume party, and Simon Yam infiltrates the costume party. Which is one of the more chilling scenes and one of the better turnarounds for the movie. That it's it really has gone it starts well and then it builds to like chilling events in this party scene and a chilling climax eventually. Yeah, this is where things really you, you can't really follow along with Simon's character anymore. This is where it basically kills all of that, changes it around, and manages to uh, convince Kitty that he is Michael through through wearing a mask, right. which is very very frightening, frightening actually, because you can't blame her for thinking like that he feels like a different kisser or anything, uh, because I'm sure in the moment it's not easy to notice that, you know, that uh, he's uh, not the same. Which is very, it's very frightening, and all 
done without extensive background or any background at all to the Simon Young character. We have no flashback scene to him being, you know, molested or beaten or what have you. It's like a 90-minute episode that works very well because how we're sold on Simon's performance and how well the movie is directed and shot and how dark it is. So there's no need for extensive, why did it become this way? He just is. Yeah. And I think you would have wanted background possibly if the performance wasn't as strong. You know what I mean? It would have needed that. Whereas, you know, you just kind of, you buy into this performance. You buy into Yam. You buy into Yam, indeed. I think that should, should be a quote for the DVD cover. You buy into Yam. Buy into Yam. That should just be, you know, that's, uh, you know, the whole or article. pissing. I like it, too. <laughs> <laughs> that says nothing of the movie. <laughs> but I do like pissing. It sure is fun. <laughs> oh, so uh, again, okay, we've spoiled one thing about the whole penis thing, but uh, l- l- let's not spoil anything else other than what do you think of the last third where it has taken a pretty dark turn and his uh, kid is on a revenge um, path, if you will? Maybe that's spoiled a little bit, but I'm still keeping it vague. You know, is does it? Yeah, you know, hold interest all the way through, I guess, is the easy question. I, I believe so. I think uh, the final bits are, uh, it's like a roller coaster of emotions uh, for me. Uh, you know, you, there are twists and turns that are coming, and uh, there's elements of uh, Sam Peck and Paw's straw dogs in there. It uh, really messes with your emotions during the final bit, but uh, it's got a good payoff, and... Uh, Overall, just a really good, you know, ride. Yeah, it's a pretty dark switch for for for, for the finale, indeed. I mean, there's, there's pretty you dark sexual pleasure directed towards the psycho. Let's just mm-hmm. say that, and you're not sure of it involves it involves Kitty and Fred, obviously, right? Um, and you're not sure exactly where it is going. She is not as performed and written that transparent that she um, you might think that she's gone off the rails for some reason you know right uh, because there's, there's a nothing to lose situation at that point so who, who knows what might switch in her but uh, we, we, we do get a good payoff you know with the greatest combination of subtitles maybe ever ever made you know it's and it's not thoroughly like incorrect grammatically it's just oddly worded and it should take you out of a tense violent moment but somehow it just elevates it so after Simon Yams the dicky shot off you know he says you shot my dicky you are that cruel <laughs> question mark yes yes <laughs> you are that cruel <laughs> and who, whoever like made it to dicky rather than do you shot my dick off you shot my cock off you know no, Dicky, which is cute. <laughs> like a little kid. There it is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, there is a sex scene, by the way, uh, towards the end. And Yvonne Jung, apparently pre this, uh, Mike Leader told me this um, today, actually, on the Facebook uh, forum, that Yvonne Jung, the actress, had been sort of like criticizing like the cheapness of appearing nude in movies and what have you, and then she did it. Yeah. But it's not like she's. Uh, uh, nude throughout the movie. This is her only nude scene. Well, there's this and that tub scene where she's in right, the tub. Right, right, right. Yeah. 
but but the point is kind of like it's not like check them out naked yeah, yeah. naked totally naked here naked 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 naked, naked. slow motion naked <sighs> but rather like throughout the sex scene with Simon Yam at some she's not you know she she goes nude but uh, it looks like they are shooting it with an actress at points that doesn't want to be nude because Simon Yam has his hands all over her breasts but you know you do see the nipples it's not an accident it's not just something that uh, this director decided to he, he never stalls the movie for us to look at the boobs for one minute or two minutes and then resumes the movie he just makes it part of the flow if you will right which is uh, something I appreciate a lot more that a movie isn't that desperate to uh, showcase nudity and uh, even some movies made it part of the uh, marketing campaign which is also desperate rather than letting the movie play on its own but um, regardless how the marketing campaign was for Crazy Love for You the nudity isn't what you like sit down in front of and await eagerly because the movie clearly has strengths galore mm-hmm. and we get nudity towards the end as a sort of not side effect of it all, but it's not the primary uh, primary aim of this movie is to provide uh, provide points that they, <laughs> they, they 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 normally say points sometimes when referring to uh, breasts, yeah, busts and uh, fooling and points and hand <laughs> <laughs> dunging. Funny subtitles in tense situation, and yet we were not taken out of the movie. So there you go. Maybe you need to be a seasoned kind of a Hong Kong cinema watcher to appreciate that. It, this aspect isn't perfect. Yeah, uh, it's another line in there right at the end. Uh, it's okay, enjoy yourself in hell then. And it made remind me of full contact with go masturbate in hell. I wonder if that, that's like a common Cantonese phrase or something. It, it, it's sometimes, if we're talking general in terms of subtitles, it, so many things are translated in such a similar way into English that mm-hmm. that's what they naturally kind of think of the subtitlers uh, and, and maybe what regardless of what is being said in Cantonese maybe for some reason Dicky is the first thing that kind of naturally came came to this person you know <laughs> I would love to know what it says in Cantonese but, but maybe it's simple simple as that you shot my dick off you're that, you're that cruel Maybe it was someone was having fun at work, or maybe it's the same guy who translated the Alfred Chung movie, Talk to Me, Dicky. <laughs> the guy was just like, ah, nobody's going to watch this anyway. I'm just going to make this say Dicky. Yeah. I mean, they, they were fast jobs, uh, too. They, they, uh, they, they often were translated in uh, by someone who wasn't 100% fluent in English, so that, that's why you get these Chingrish translations that are either very hurtful for the movie or very like enjoyable to have in the movie in this case it's kind of enjoyable oh yeah wasn't taken out of the movie and i was very satisfied come ending time and uh, even a nice little um unexpected there's unexpected violence towards the end i, I won't spoil uh, right you know let's just say how am i gonna put this uh the cop role mm-hmm. you know the twist when it comes to the cop role and the, the dark twist of that. Right. It, it's not original, but it's pretty shocking the way it's uh, executed. So, so hey. Uh, under, underrated one and not talked of enough, um, but I hope uh, people have become a bit more interested in Crazy Love for You. There's, uh, there's not only Dr. Lamb, uh, in terms of Simon Yam's psychotic performances on screen, not only Run and Kill, but also Crazy Love for You. Yes. And as for availability, it's an Ocean Shores title. 
also known as, as we said, Can't Stop My Crazy Love For You and Don't Stop My Crazy Love For You. And as per many Ocean Shores title, it's not being reprinted at this point. It's probably been on, been on at least uh, uh, Laserdisc before. But the good news is this also made it to Ocean Shores DVD, uh, a, a letterbox there. Uh, subtitled print, so there might still be that option out there used. Uh, it's a bit more difficult when it comes to Laserdiscs and VCDs and what have you, but the, this was one of the titles that made it to DVD. So if you can't can find it used, great. If not, then check out the Torrent forums. I know it's out there because that's what I had to uh, resort to. But um, um, And right now it's not uh, I'm not in a good economic situation to buy tons of Laserdiscs uh, either, so I, I have to, you know, if I'm doing it for a show, I possibly don't have time to locate a laser disc and some of these sellers are selling these uh, titles for outrageous prices um, that are near their once uh, near a price range that they once was but it's not really feasible to sell something for 100 US dollars uh, nowadays uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean that, that that's the same that sort of special edition US laser discs go for not this movie only like cat free stuff you know mm-hmm. Uh, with no with no with no supplements and what have you so uh, but yeah definitely one I want to own and uh, all of that uh, right next time it doesn't require research or anything but we will step out of the tidy white theater to despite because when we're here it's kind of like random choices but next time we'll step out and we'll cover a series in one go because it's only two movies it's uh, two unrelated movies and they are featuring harsh domestic violence, at least in the case of the first one. My memory is a little foggy about the second one. But we are regardless talking of Ivan Lies, Daughter of Darkness 1 and 2. And the first one stars real-life husband and her wife Lily Chung and Hugo M, who were both in Brother of Darkness. And she is in Daughter, the one who's getting abused and <laughs> raped by her family members. It's, it's no funny stuff. And in Brother of Darkness, Hugo mm, was the one that being... I don't think he was being raped, but he was definitely like critically abused and beaten. And uh, so they reversed the roles for that one. Brother featured on-screen animal William Ho. A daughter also features on-screen animal William Ho. Uh, so that'll be, that'll be fun in its own way. And inappropriate comedy courtesy of Anthony Wong. So. And a courtesy of us. <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> If Anthony can do it, so can we. Hell yeah. So that's the next episode 34, uh, Daughter of Darkness 1 and 2. Also like a difficult Ocean Shores title. You, you you wouldn't believe what kind of mess they made out of Daughter of Darkness. Like a laser disc was hugely cut, except for the, a very final act that involved a stabbing, like a 10, 12 stabs kind of thing. <laughs> Uh, the DVD came out, restored everything, like from uh, the, um, different sources and what have you. But that last stabbing was short, severely shortened to like two stabs. So like, okay, that, that, that's fine. That's what we have. Then someone found the Ocean Shores VHS, and as far as I remember, that is fully uncut. So why, why the hell, like, it, uh, like the, why they fucked it up? Yeah, I don't know why. Why Ocean Shores had this track record of. Uh, some version shorter, some version uh, uncut and what have you. I mean, sometimes the better format had the worse version. Like, I remember the club, uh, Kirk Wong's The Club, is cut on the Laserdisc and uncut on Ocean Shores VHS. And you, you, you think, like, great, uncut on Laserdisc, the best-looking version, uh, best version, but nope, cut. Lies. So, but yeah, we have access to the uh, Daughter of Darkness uh, one uh, 
Ocean Shores VHS so, uh, will be uncut and as far as I know the full stabbing is included so there you go and uh, there, there was a lot of cut in the rape scenes and what have you uh, some pretty harsh stuff in there I'll tell you not fun not fun but uh, so Lily Chung getting uh, getting hugely abused again you know a la Red to Kill yeah uh, but at least this time she's not a uh, uh, me- mentally like uh, disabled person or anything you know at least. No. At least. <laughs> uh, so there we go. This has been this week's list on the Podcast on Fire Network. We are on podcastonfire.com. We have other shows and bonus episodes on there. Check us out. Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF Network. Join the discussion group uh, where you can uh, check out some images from the movies in question. Post some um, like uh, stylish images and some images of... Uh, funny subtitles from the movie so <laughs> including like yeah be serious be serious come be serious dude Jeez, this is serious stuff can we do it can we put a computer inside a dick you know you're a nurse you should know these things <laughs> we can put cameras in there i don't know about uh, the computer size i mean Maybe. I mean are they like minuscule fucking microscopic cameras i mean it's the size of a catheter Sounds horrible. It is. It's it's definitely not fun. <laughs> I mean, it's like a it, exactly. <laughs> you think this hot? Is this hot? Like teacher? It's really inappropriate. Like inappropriate. Like lessons. This. Well, <laughs> you're going home today. <laughs> so, like students stay, teacher go. <laughs> <laughs> we, we 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 can actually engage ourselves in proper <laughs> proper lessons here. But, uh, yeah. What was it you said? It was called like turp. Like that camera system? Terp? Well, no, the TERP is actually a procedure where, like, uh, they go in there to resection your prostate. It's a transurethral resectioning of the prostate. Where they go in there and basically burn a part of the prostate whenever it's uh, swollen and uh, blocking off the urethra. But, like, uh, a ure- what is it? A uroscopy? A uteroscopy? Something like that. It's like a camera that goes in there to probably vision. Probably looking for stones more than likely. It's all fun. It all sounds so, like, like put me down if you're gonna do that to me. You know what I mean? Just knock me the fuck out and then, then molest me with that camera. <laughs> They're probably crazy. not gonna. That's probably gonna be a local anesthetic. Bring me, bring me a mallet, like. <laughs> Don't just smash me over the head with this, please. I'll be fine. Do, do Danny Lee style. I like to... <laughs> Like just to sap my balls and I'll, I'll faint and then you can like uh, <laughs> then you can like do your thing. Danny might come out with the uh, you know the drill instead. <laughs> like what are you drilling my teeth for? Like don't question this. We're cops. We're doctors. I mean cops. I don't know what we are. We're drilling anyway. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, join us on Facebook, our Facebook group, um, uh, for some drilling. <laughs> I suppose Dr- drilling images. I did did put a, up a screen cap of when they're drilling Simon's teeth. It doesn't look pleasant at all. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire is the place to follow our tweets and tweet us. My writing of category free movies, Taiwanese movies, and ninja movies. Godfrey Ho or not Godfrey Ho. So good reviews.com and video review, video reviews at sleazykvideo.com and tweets at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. Rate and subscribe to this week's lead on iTunes if you want to get the latest episodes in a timely fashion. And if you are on iTunes anyway, please leave a sentence or two um, about uh, about the show, what you thought of the show. 
and finally stream us on Stitcher Radio, do that online, but through their application available to your various iDevices and I believe Android as well. And once you're in Stitcher, type in this weekend's list to find us and add us to your favorites. And buy a one of my Caucasians t-shirts from shelflifeclothing.com. We mentioned that because Brian has been very helpful uh, towards the show. Uh, he's done the intro and outro music. We've contributed, uh, you contributed to it as well, Joshua. But you don't have a t-shirt line, so I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> so that's why we mentioned shelflifeclothing.com. Buy some t-shirts, buy the Caucasians t-shirt or any other cool movie-themed uh, t-shirt. And your plugs again, my young friend. Veritcelluloid.net and TrashyTrio.Lipson.com or just the Trashy Trio in the iTunes store or whatever, wherever else you get your podcasts. And you got a neat little uh, Facebook group full of not safe for work type of uh, discussions and images. But um, <laughs> Yes. Join in. I mean, the show is like that, so it's not like, uh, here's the PG version of the Trashy Trio. <laughs> no, there's no PG version. Renamed, renamed the uh, the terrific tree. <laughs> the sunshine, sunshine and rainbows and cats. Yay! Uh, but okay, we're done. Uh, this week's lead signing off, and let's stop the uh, stop the uh, what, what can we say? Stop the um, cop torture fucking. Stop <laughs> the nutter fucking. Stop the psycho fucking. Stop the stalker fucking. Stop Father, all of it. Stop all of it. And Danny Lee, don't don't do that. Bad Danny Lee. Bad Danny Lee. So let, let, let's, Joshua, let's go and uh, build our own uh, puppets that we can uh, fondle <laughs> in Absolutely. our private space. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm doing right I now. I mean, like the Christmas uh, like decorations and stuff in the clothing stores, I'm sure, are still, are still up and there's mannequins in there. So I'm going right now. Hell yeah. Finding myself an expressionless mannequin. That would be good. <laughs> the more dead, the better. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we're done. Sign off. Bye.